0: Tobias Carlisle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit Acquire'sFunds.com.
1: Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. April 14th, 10.30 a.m. on the West Coast, 1.30 p.m. on the East Coast, 5.30 uh, p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, what's happening in the markets? Anything interesting going on? I've been in my bunker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: not much uh at the at what at the index level we're almost on a full recovery with within the queues uh what's uh what did i see that it's down like one percent year to date or something like that
1: might even be yeah all-time highs in amazon walmart netflix as well
0: that sort of makes sense to me uh i
1: can get there on a narrative basis i don't know if i can get there on a valuation basis
0: yeah, but they, but we've, I mean, what, what's that? I don't even remember <laughs> what that means.
1: We've got Albany, New, New York. I forgot to call out everybody last time, but there was, there was a great list of guys from all over the world. Uh, so let us know where you're up. Spies up 2.72%. Thanks, Mike.
0: It's fake news. There are only 10 of you, but <laughs> thank you for tuning in to the rabid.
1: Open up a few screens on your computer.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. As Samson... Where are you, Samson? All right, let's, uh, let's get underway. Um, Jake, what's your topic this week?
2: <clears throat> I'm going to be talking about uh, grains of sand falling into a pile that uh, a lot of us are familiar with, but there was something that we were missing all along, and then actually how that sort of relates to the Fed. So get your tinfoil
0: hats out, we're going to be having a good time.
1: And Bill, what are you doing?
0: I am going to try to figure out what Jake just said, but while I do that, I am going to uh, discuss something going on at uh, Liberty Media, the entity that's Formula One has a transaction that I think could be interesting, so I'll talk about that a little.
1: And I'll be talking about Buffett selling down a third stock, uh, Bank of New York, Mellon. BK is the ticker. It's the third stock that he sold down under 10%, filed late on a Friday afternoon. Uh, which means he doesn't have to file again to tell anybody what he's doing. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to speculate uh, to my heart's content. Uh, This is Value After Hours. I'm Tobias Carlisle. i got my amigos Bill Brewster and Jake Taylor. And I think uh, we'll be kicking off with... JT, you want to take Sandpile Theory?
2: Yeah, sure. So, uh, there's this Danish theoretical physicist whose name is Per-Bach... shortest name on record I think it's only six <laughs> letters total but that's great um, so he has this this famous thought experiment where you imagine this hand of God that is full of sand and it's dropping down a, a, one little grain at a time into a pile and it forms these these piles and uh, this one pile and each sand uh, particle will then trigger some level of an avalanche typically it's a small, almost unnoticeable little bit of slide, but every once in a while there'll be a really big slide. And we never know what the grain of sand is that's going to be. Uh, And what this was trying to explain was a couple things. One is what they called self-organized criticality. So this thing has its own, a separate from the grain of sand, it has its own characteristics that play out. The grain of sand is the cause, but it's not, but the interaction between the sand is what actually is, is the emergent phenomena that we're looking at there. So uh, what's interesting about this is that if you plot out the, uh, the avalanches, it follows that familiar power law curve where you have a lot of small outcomes and then the occasional very large outcome. And what what the difference between a Gaussian distribution, a normal distribution, and a power law distribution is that, for let's take something like height, which is a normal distribution. The more data that you gather on it, the more that the estimate gets accurate. Um, but in a power law, like these avalanches, the more that you add, the more estimates that you add. Actually, the the bigger that the the bigger the things that you can measure become. Like you start catching these like you know, very, very rare events that happen. Okay, so everyone's pretty familiar with this idea already. Here's what's interesting that I found when I went back and read the original stuff on this. In that analogy, all along, there was a table that the the grains of sand were falling onto. And I, in my mind, when I'd ever thought about this before, I never put a table underneath the pile of sand. But in his original construction, that's what it was um so the size of the avalanches are completely dictated by the size of the table so the the bigger you make the table the less large avalanches that you'll have but then when you do have the big avalanche it will be even bigger than it than any time with a smaller table does that make sense
1: so you might have to run that by me one more time
2: okay imagine a very small table you're pouring sand onto When it eventually falls onto the floor, it's going to be a smaller amount of sand. Okay. Imagine a very large table. You can really pile that table up, and eventually it crashes. Well, my insight was that what if really the Fed is really just a table, and it's trying to make itself bigger and bigger, but really all it's doing is making the eventual sand pile avalanche that happens be a, a bigger disaster to deal with.
1: Yeah, so I, I like that analogy. It, Bob C. wrote. Bob C. Wright wrote an article uh, that came out a few years ago that I grabbed some of for a Forbes article called "What to Do When the Market Punches You in the Mouth." Regrettable title because I've discovered since that that gets used all the time. It's uh, it's based on that Mike Tyson quote: "Everybody got a plan till they get punched in the mouth." Uh, he Spot he made on impersonation. Yeah, thank you. He he. <laughs> uh, he makes the great point that the eighty seven crash, you know, everybody thinks of that as program trading. There was a whole lot of um, futures um, used to hedge the market. And then when the market went down, hedging in the futures created this cascade of selling. They interviewed Felon at the time, sorry, Michael J. Fellon, who was the president of the NYC, and he he gave a list of five things. And fifth on his list was futures trading. He didn't think it was particularly significant. The only point is that uh, it's just one of those phenomena that you can't predict, but after it happens, we want to we want to stick a reason to why it happens. But I, uh, it's it's kind of uh, it's I, st- I I kind of think this time around, you know, it's just one of those we hadn't had a crash for a long time. I don't know what the root cause of that was. Possibly that's fed pinning the rates so low for so long, having QE going on and on and on. Values just getting disconnected from, dislocated from underlying, or prices getting dislocated from the underlying values. And I think that if you, you know, Chris Cole uses the analogy of the uh, redwoods, you have to burn back the tinder of the redwoods. Otherwise, if if you don't do that and you just let the tinder grow, you get these explosive wildfires that come through every, five or ten years and so if you don't have little crashes you get much bigger crashes so i think that that makes sense that if you eliminate that possibility for a little crash which gives everybody you know if you think that the market could crash you probably carry a little bit more cash rather than running levered. what do you call that acquisition the n plus one strategy all the time i think it's an interesting theory
0: bill I don't know. I don't know what I have to add to this. <laughs> this is, it's, uh, I mean, I, the, the Fed would not be doing what they are doing if it didn't had, have any impact, right? But, like, I I don't, I'm not well versed enough to know how the balance sheet expanded and contracted relative to the overall size of the market over the last 10 years. I know they've been active way, way longer than I thought they would be. And I don't suspect that they're just going to exit the market once, sort of, you know, I don't know, say in June or July. That said, like, I do understand from a policy standpoint coming in to stabilize the market here. And I mean, I think we got enough shit to worry about. I'm not sure that right now is the time to go full hands off and just like let the market. I, I mean, you've got a natural demand shock you've got oil supply shocks if if we don't try to at least stabilize the market. I mean, you've got the real potential for like real true systemic risk. And I think that they're trying to prevent that right now. Now, whether or not they can, you know, I I don't think that we're going to like get to the end of this and like these bailouts or whatever just means that equity is going to be fine. I mean, companies are going to be screwed. And if over the next 12 months, we try to stave off uh, bankruptcy just by like continually bailing people out, then then from a policy perspective, I'd be much more worried. This, to me, seems like or a lot of what I see going on and I don't know all of it, but seems to be solving for a liquidity problem, which is short term. I don't think that my
2: argument would be that the last month's worth of activity was necessarily the problem it was the 10 years before that that made a pretty big ass sand pile and the table did not shrink at all in that time period enough to to make the smaller shocks i mean you could just look at vol- like the vix as a sort of a proxy for for some of you know how much disturbance have we had over the last 10 years and like it was nothing like it's been Historically, incredibly low.
1: Why not take that opportunity to raise rates and switch off the QE or the all Shrink that stuff? Shrink the table a little bit. Yeah, I mean, what is the function of the Fed if it's not supposed to be acting as that counter counterweight to all of that? You know, we had the, There's a the lot adult of adult in the room. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, fiscal priming going on. That would have been a good opportunity, you would think, to kind of pull back a little bit on the monetary, see how high you can get those rates.
0: The thing that is tough for me to reconcile mentally right now is, you know, they they started to do that. Right. And on December 21st, 2018, the S&P was at two hundred and forty dollars per share That's
2: and spy. That,
0: Yeah. Right. And now we're looking at like just a massive, massive economic problem. And we're at two eighty three a share. And the reason is like policy response. But you really just, I mean, let's say the Fed can do everything that they want. They're not getting the spreads back to where they were in December, right? And like spreads have blown out a little bit. And the, the fiscal. Stimulus, High yield spreads, is that
1: what you're talking about there?
0: I think generally, even, even every, investment rates, I think, are it. a little bit more, wider. Uh, and then like even the fiscal stimulus, you are just like catching up to, I mean, I mean you're replacing stuff, right? It's not stimulus. It's just plugging a freaking hole. Uh, so I don't understand how the, like the bullishness right now is a bit confounding to me on a market level, like market-wide basis. Do you see
1: anybody out there who is like, this totally makes sense to me? I fully expected a bottom on march 23 and then just rock to the new all-time highs do you talk to anybody who who's like this is this is what i thought was going to happen only people that are full of shit. <laughs> yeah people who are like t- telling you that's what they did on march 23 i you know i i think i it- think it's
0: funny i think real quick i think something that's funny is you're starting to see hedge fund letters that used to tout performance that are now talking macro well, like, or, oh, or, or even worse. Interesting how you're hiding.
1: There's a good question up on the pages, sc- screen. You guys can't see 50
2: it. Pages of, uh, <laughs> 50 pages of, of epidemiology instead of, the, <laughs> instead of returns. There's a good question up on the screen. That,
1: that, that
0: would be one that I was thinking of.
1: Do you guys think the Fed even matters if you're a microeconomic business-oriented investor? Isn't the important thing just competitive advantage and execution? That's sort of kind of the point that you're making a little bit, isn't it, Bill? That You just, like, just ignore it. It's out of your control. Just keep on functioning
0: yeah I mean it it a hundred percent matters i mean if you if you have debt markets that completely lock up then all of your fundamental analysis changes right but uh yes I do think that uh focusing on what the business is more likely to look at is where I spend more of my time
1: I mean some of the fed actions are just the fed's gonna do what the fed's gonna do and uh you i I personally disagree with them, but I'm that's who cares. I'm just going to be. I have to go in there and, and do what I always do. Like, actually, doesn't really change anything that I do. All I do is I come on podcasts and kind of whinge about it a little Hinge bit. About it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
0: yeah. mean, look, if if they if they're compressing yields and you're buying assets, I think you have to at least think a little bit about whether or not you're paying what, what would be a fair price or whether or not it's manipulated. Um, but you know, we live in the world we live in, I don't see them going away anytime. So what's manipulated and first theoretically, right. I, I don't know that that gets into like stuff that's just too hard for me.
2: Yeah, it does matter though. Right. I mean, it, it hugely impacts general, like most of the valuations you're looking at Well, uh, pricing. I mean, like it, it not valuation. Well, it affects I mean, valuations.
1: Know, yes. valuations. I think it affects yeah, because, valuations.
0: Yeah, 100% it does.
1: But it also affects, you know, it's how much... I mean, I, I, this stuff is all just too hard for me. It just breaks my brain when I think about it. But the level of government debt, that, that was once a sort of concerning metric. Like, that was something that people used to talk about a bit. And Ken Rogoff did that study where he said, yeah, there's a tipping point where you get too much debt. Your, your your currency and your government collapses or your currency at least collapses and the it stops you you can't raise money through debt anymore for for an extended period of time but then somebody found that he'd hard coded one of the cells in his spreadsheet and Krugman came out and dunked on him pretty hard and that argument kind of just went away but I just can't yeah, see how it doesn't anybody- matter we've seen i've seen credit we've seen credit crises in our lifetimes like in other countries it clearly it happens all the time
0: yeah, yeah well i mean one thing that i mean this the whole process has made me super grateful in a lot of ways i think you look at the death numbers and it's a a testament to what the united states can accomplish when we work together and that's pretty freaking awesome considering that it it was sort of more of a decentralized plan than i thought that it would be um but man like the ability to have your own reserve currency right now i mean you you got to protect that but Uh, are you talking about bitcoin yeah that too okay sorry um but it gives a lot of options that emerging markets just aren't going to have um you know like i mean imagine being in argentina right now with what they had going on going into this shit, and then they're going to have to stop their economy for a little while and then i mean and payback
2: dollars?
1: Yeah, dude, that is gonna be brutal. Um, so, well, just just like every value manager out there, this podcast has gone full macro. So let's let's get into yeah. some let's do some micro for a bit. Let's do flonk. Good
0: call. Flonk. So uh, here, let me. I got to pull up the transcript so that I don't mess up any of the tape. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I, you know, we talk about some of these holding companies sometimes and um, Greg Maffei said um, he's talking about like what uh, Liberty Media adds to their uh, you know they have a collection of assets so like Curate Retail which is QVC and uh, HSN Um, they have Formula One they've got the Braves Um, they've got obviously Charter Uh, I'm missing something I'm sure anyway it's a collection of assets and what he said is He said, oh, Liberty XM." Uh, So he said, we back at the home office in Inglewood only add value and have a reason to exist if we can find something that makes a lot of sense to do on top of what our operating entities are doing, right? So one of the, the things that he sort of got himself into, they sold calls within Formula One. So Liberty Media is a one legal entity, right? And it owns... These subsidiary positions, in order to highlight the value of the underlying assets, they attribute the economic uh, performance to different tracker stocks. They're basically derivatives of the assets that Liberty owns. Within one of those derivatives, which is Formula One, they basically were—they found themselves naked on a call that they wrote on on Liberty Sirius's shares. So what that really means is like they sold the right to buy it from them, right? At, at $36 a share. And all of a sudden it goes to uh, $39 a share and they're out of the money on the call, right? It creates an obligation. Well, with this sell-off, the thing that's interesting is they could have in theory bought some calls to offset that, that um, naked exposure when Liberty Sirius had sold off uh, very hard, depending on what happened to the volatility and the options, I just think it's it's like a very tangible example right now of if you're betting on those guys to add value, it will be interesting to see in the 10Q and the RK and the earnings calls. I guess it would be the Q now. um, Just like what they did to tighten up that transaction. This is like a real opportunity for some of these capital allocator types to really add value right now
1: so why sell the call what was that about
0: dude they do a lot of stuff that has to do with uh getting cash in the door uh reducing taxes like they they do a lot of things and i'm not i don't but that so that that was kind of my that was where i was going with what it was aren't
1: you risking the shares getting called away from you and then incurring the tax by doing that or was it cash settled
0: well I, so i mean i don't fully understand Ooh. the mechanics behind it the, i so i think like lsxma that entity has the shares to satisfy the obligation but within formula one it didn't have the shares so part of the thing about the tracking stocks that they try to do is treat each group of shareholders correct i i think they overcomplicated a transaction Uh, probably. And at the time that they did it, it probably brought money in and was a benefit. But then what happened was Sirius just performed way better than they thought. And all of a sudden it became a bit of a pain. I think they have something like four or five years to roll out of the problem, but it's interesting that this, that this opportunity presented itself now. Do you, I always feel
2: like that that whole complex is too complex. (laughs)
0: They do a lot,
2: it makes uh, my brain hurt, like it just feels like God, if they were just running one clean company with subs inside of it, I would be much more attracted to it, honestly, yeah, I mean I get it aren't they just
1: spinning uh, and- out tracking aren't they just spinning out tracking stocks that mean that they don't really sell it it just kind of it gets its- you get to value each piece of it on its own merits.
0: yeah, well, the theory is you try to avoid a conglomerate discount oh, that's right? pretty because smart, then- actually. Yeah, because then you can actually have the company together that owns the assets, and that gives you some optionality. But if you can highlight the independent segments and let people bet on those independently, uh, you know that's theoretically pretty interesting.
1: Yeah,
2: I, and you get into like cross holding confusion and. Do I they have cross holdings? Like,
1: do they do that?
0: Well, I thought it was so, pretty clean. So, Well, Sirius has an interest in the Braves. They've got the interest that Liberty, or Fuana has the interest in the Braves, and they've got the interest in Live Nation that Liberty owns. And then Sirius is pretty clean. They own Pandora. But I think because of this transaction, Fuana started to buy some of LSXMA to settle the the shares if they needed to like it does it does okay. it sounds like a pain in the ass it's a
1: little more complicated than i realized i don't look yeah. at it i know it's very popular in the uh in generic value partners community <laughs> well, no I disrespect mean, malone... just that's what i'm calling it
0: no yeah malone yeah. Uh, i mean he's made a lot of money for a lot of people that tends
1: to make you popular so we got a super chat on the screen uh lemonade stand can i flesh out fair value of tesla it is negative <laughs> 54 per share was what I was saying. Uh, I will, but I'll save that up until we get to the to the question time because I there's a couple I of think, good
0: things. Dude, isn't the Fed adjusted value of Tesla like nine fifty a share?
1: Yeah, that's what you gotta oh, adjust shit. for.
0: Tesla's at seven thirty seven. Woo. Fed
1: adjusted. They've thirty six
0: thirty six
1: billion dollar market cap. Sh- My lord. Shut down the factories and laid no, everybody no off. No
0: operations,
2: but <laughs> who knew
0: that, that would that's be such perfect, a
1: perfect that's the perfect stock for these times. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, if you're not making any money today, what's it matter if you don't make any money today? Uh,
1: That's gotta, my Yogi is. They don't,
2: they don't sell cars, they sell
0: stock, right?
1: I saw this just before we came on. Uh, Alan Meckham of Arlington yeah. is shutting down.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? Just it says for health it, reasons. Yeah,
1: too stressed. I really don't know any... I've never Killer. seen Alan interviewed anywhere. I'd be happy to have him on the podcast. I just have no connection to him at all um it's
0: pretty low profile yeah very tell him it's a low-key non-stress podcast yeah i'll chill with some aluminum. it's crossfire
1: i don't know how to say it either
0: whatever not gonna not gonna gonna manage money (laughs) anymore (laughs) (laughs) okay i mean that's all that really matters or he's made Uh, his number the guy's healthy yeah Tell him it's a health podcast the the letter that i saw he said that he was he was sad to be leaving but it was better for his health so you know thanks for being one of the 10 i hope we uh can help you through retirement
1: yeah you're more than welcome to come on make this a uh a foursome um let's talk about uh webb and his kind of perplexing maneuvers so We're
0: talking about the buff dog for anyone that can't understand. Warren
1: E. Buffett, W.E.B. Webb. Uh, He's um, been very quiet through the most rapid decline in stock market history ever in the U.S. anyway, since in the data that I have. Maybe there was one that was sort of pre-1850, but it looks like the fastest one. Faster than 29, faster than 87. Um, Probably the biggest bounce now too. (laughs) All he's done is sell down three stocks. So he sold down two weeks ago, he sold down uh, Delta and Southwest to get underneath 9.9%, which gives him the advantage of not having to file when he moves in them. And then on Good Friday, he sold down Bank of New York, uh, tickers BK, very, very unfortunate ticker for that for that bank. You don't think you'd try for a, it doesn't, yeah, doesn't make any would, sense at yeah. all.
0: That's odd for a bank, too, to not think of that. Everybody like refers to it as B O N Y
1: or B O N Y, Bony. Well, why wouldn't they call themselves Boney? Get that yeah. ticker. Nobody else is going to want that ticker. That,
0: I don't know that you want the ticker Bony. That's <laughs> a little odd. It's memorable, it sticks in the <laughs> brain. Be it
2: is uh, a yeah, good one for a dating app. Yeah.
1: It is odd, right, that Buffett hasn't bought anything publicly anyway. And all he's done is rapidly sell down three things. Now, Either he's just working really hard behind the scenes and nobody's heard anything, which I think he's probably bought. We're going to find out soon. I think he's probably bought back some stock. He's probably bought some more of the public stuff that he's got that he likes. Um, I think it's high. I've, I've seen this theory going around that he's sold down to get under 9% so he can really take those positions up.
0: These people are idiots. I just He's just not a Sorry stock market operator like that. Sorry the theory. It just doesn't make sense
1: he's not he's just not a stock market operator he just doesn't try to fool people by fake faking them out in the market i don't think that's happening
0: no i think he would i just don't what in why would he ever want to buy one single airline they've they have always said that they don't want to do that so why now do you want to do it like i just i think they made a bet And the outcome wasn't what they thought the bet would be i mean
1: but i'm not even at that point i'm not even trying to work out what he's doing i'm just saying if he was going to do that he's not going to sell down first
0: i don't know he would do misdirection i think he's a shark oh yeah oh yeah dude he's like what the fourth or third or fourth most rich person in the world and everything he's done his whole life has been about money if he thought that he could do right for his shareholders by doing a little misdirection, juke play, hundred percent, he'd do that. But there's,
1: there's, like that sort of stuff. Like you get to do that once, and then everybody I would else want to is like, as
0: a shareholder.
1: Every, but once you do that once, everybody's like, well, I know the trick now. So next time you do that, I'm going to buy the shit out of that thing. <laughs> so you can't do it right. You can't do it.
2: Sounds sounds more icon to me than yeah. Buffett, doesn't it? It's
1: stock market operator type stuff, which I don't think he he is. He's an investor, like business investor. That's what I think of him.
2: Yeah, but I mean, if he's worried about everybody front running him, I don't know.
1: Wouldn't you just you just sell down, get under the nine, so people don't freak out, and then you just bomb out, go and go and do something else?
2: What What was the total percentages that we were talking about? Because like we talk about these numbers, but like percentage of Berkshire's security portfolio, how much did he trim?
1: Not much, but the but the significance of it is just to, to get under the reporting obligations, and he did that really rapidly which gives him the option now to sell down at his leisure. You guys notice how I learned? Leisure. That? I liked your yeah. old way to do that. Over this next quarter, and I think he reports that in July.
0: But, like, so let's say, I mean, the two that I can think of are Southwest and Delta. So if he wanted to take them out, right, he would need to come with some sort of tender offer, right? I mean, like, right. it, and if he was going to accumulate shares, he would get over the 10, and then he'd have to start – disclosing it again i i think he just changed his mind on the positions i bet they've been net buyers and i think he changed his mind on that outcome like i don't
1: i don't know that it's more complicated than that
0: that's probably the occam's razor answer right yeah
1: that's 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 exactly right that's what i think's happened he's just changed his mind and he doesn't want to be in them
0: (laughs) it it, i mean dude they're he's allowed to do that right yeah, well, th- and think about where they are right now. Like, they're tapping all their assets for cash. They're talking about pre-selling miles. I mean, they're going to come out of this heavily indebted. A core part of that thesis is that the balance sheets have been repaired to make it through a recession. This episode completely destroys the thesis. Like, they're not going to come out strong.
1: You don't think that they're going to get – uh, not a bailout. What's the other word for it? It's repo, except it's something else. Everything's got Hand a different out. name now. Like you don't just call stuff what it is. It's got to, You got to give it some other. You got to give it yeah. some other name to fool people who aren't paying attention.
2: Uh, I mean, euphemism.
1: They, the euphemism, they, yeah.
2: It's a stability enhancing.
1: <laughs> There's another word. It's don't call them bailouts. There, it's uh, disaster payment. I think that's what it is. Disaster relief. <laughs> it's disaster relief. You don't think that the airlines get disaster relief?
0: Well, it's the CARES Act. I mean, that's what it is. But I mean they're even today, like Delta Close. is out Well, Delta's out they're, they're uh raised. they're leveraging assets that they have that were unencumbered and sell lease back, right? Weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a Bloomberg article about them looking at pre selling miles. And then on top of all that, the rumor is that Minuchin's asking for warrants, which was in the act that he can do. So they're like balking on that a little bit. I mean, you have deal guys in the White House, <laughs> like, for real. Do you think they're they're sharks that way? You think they're gonna? Scout do I them? think Donald Trump and Co. are sharks? Fuck yes, I do. Okay,
2: well hold on though, but let's. What is his actual outcome that he's looking for? Is
0: it to make
2: money for the U.S. taxpayer or to get reelected in November? What's more? That's
0: how he can get reelected. He can go out and say no other president could have done the deal that I did. Look at the deal that I made for the taxpayer. We saved them. We saved the jobs and I made the money. I'm the fucking man. Like, why like why would they not do that? I made the best deal ever, and look, we even got equity in these airlines, and we're the smartest guys in the world. And sleepy Joe Biden wouldn't be able <laughs> to do any of this. Like, yes, a hundred percent, I think they do this shit. We've turned Don, into this macro. You're on the air. <laughs> We've turned <into> this <laughs> macro
1: political. Oh, Jesus. Podcast. Quoth... No,
0: but I just, I don't think these are like just like easy bailouts. I look, if you stick the screws to like small business, that is politically unpalatable. You stick the screws to airlines a little bit like Chamath or whatever gets on CNBC and starts ranting and everybody gets a huge boner
1: over it. Like, I mean, people don't want to see these airlines get a huge bailout. Dude, cracking comment on the screen. What a play it would be to spend 60 years being the ultimate investor and finish off your career with a crazy stock operator move.
0: Yeah. Set everybody up for
1: 60 years to cash in right at the end. Pay it. That's a good line.
0: Slow play. (laughs) The other thing... That uh, Kevin, uh, I'm sorry, I don't even d- cite his last name anymore. He's such Is a regular. Uh, yeah. Um, he, was, he had mentioned on my timeline, you know, he was like, well, if he just did a big buyback, like, that would be pretty awesome too. And I agree. That's like the one move in Buffett's career that he has not done yet. Uh, that would be kind of a cherry on top, although I'm sure it would be unsatisfying.
1: So what's the big move?
0: Just like a big opportunistic buyback.
1: Take Berkshire private.
0: Singleton. (laughs) Backed by the Fed. (sighs) I got that Fed money. LBO. That's right.
1: So uh, toss your questions in. I'm going to get started on Tesla. Uh, I have been short Tesla in the past, not short now. Uh, Just fell out of the screen, better opportunities. Uh, I've traded it absolutely terribly, so I'm probably the last person you should be asking about this. I frankly have no idea what goes on with Tesla. I think it's a garbage balance sheet and it's losing heaps of money. I get that there's lots of growth in the, uh, in the car sales. There's also monster competition uh, out there. Units units, 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 not revenue. Units, yes, units, 2% growth. They sold a lot of units in Q1 somehow. They absolutely monstered Q1. Uh, evidently, people were out there just before they went into lockdown, Got to make sure you get your Tesla before I'm you hit lockdown. i
0: Tesla. Yeah, for sure, man.
1: So I'm like the last person to ask on this stuff because I have zero idea. And I've fortunately come to the uh, recognition that I do have zero idea. Although if the screen tells me to buy it, I, oh, it's a it, I'll go back and I'll do that again. But at the moment, uh, I've got it very, very wrong. If I look at it on a valuation basis, ah, where to start? Like it's money loser. It's a ca- It's free cash flow negative. Uh, it's a metal bender, so it needs a lot of money to grow. So it has to keep on raising money all the time. That requires that you sustain a very high valuation, um, which makes it Other virtually than that, impossible. How
2: was the play, Mrs. Lincoln?
1: Uh, I, I frankly don't get it. I just, I just don't understand it at all. I don't understand why people are bidding it here. I don't understand why people were bidding it when it was at two hundred bucks. So if anybody's got any good ideas, I'm all ears because I just don't get it.
0: Well, it's got to, I mean, you've got to have some assumptions about how their economics scale in the future and operating leverage. And then they're going to own everything with Solar City, right? I mean, that's, you sort of got to have a belief that they're like, uh, I've watched people start pitching them as a fucking platform. My language has not been very good
1: today. Sorry, folks. They They, they are pitched as a platform. Yeah. You well, can play computer game games talking. on it. You can use it to go on uh, ride hailing. You can use it to... Robo
2: taxi service right around the corner.
1: Generate electricity for, so it's going to power the grid. I think it can't do. Get you into space. Get you into the future.
0: Yeah. I mean, what is... Is this gross profit growth? Is this a full 1% last year? Is that what I'm seeing? That That's not exactly the most growthy company I've ever looked at.
2: Mm, no. No, it doesn't. There's no, there's no fundamental reason for any of it. It's yeah, all, dude, it's all narrative.
0: Really. Gross I mean. profit growth of 0.6%. Uh, I mean, that's you know, units are cute, revenue is cute, gross profit you actually get to pay your SG&A with. Yeah. What does that look like with, uh, with zero. In the revenue.
1: Uh, it's like a thousand dollar stock.
0: Know. Yeah, easily. I mean they're just gonna raise debt right somebody's gonna give them the money they got six billion of cash I don't know I can't do this off so I got some, I
1: got some there's some good stuff here uh Samson uh says model y sale is going to be better than model three for a crossover martin says uh millennials believe in it um
2: like the tooth fairy John
1: says oh, i gotta chase this down the screen stop it I think I got it No, not gonna let me do it uh Galloway says they're going to issue digital coins the value would be skipping on a wait list of new models.
0: Yeah, well Galloway is not a
1: genius, he just has good takes occasionally. It's, it's 2 times the GM EV Rev multiple. Yep. It's expensive. Uh Yeah. Sorry, I thought that I I when I when I first read that I thought it was 2 times the, the gro- I was reading that as gross profit. I, I was trying to I was trying to put all the positive ones in so we can get there I want to hear the, I want to hear the countervailing narrative I, I, I've never really seen a particularly good one I realise there are a lot of believers in the car like have you driven it bro and uh, I think there are lots of nice cars there. there's smart guys who are long Vitale Nelson. Yeah, smart value it. guy likes it I uh, don't think there's many other who've made kind of a really compelling pitch on the long side
0: I mean, just looking at it, they—if they can tap the debt market a little bit more, which why not? Uh, then uh, you know they got—they can have the liquidity to survive two horrible quarters. I'll tell you what made me a little nervous about the what the Fed's doing is I now record uh, Kramer because I find it super entertaining to just flip on because I like to see what's going on, what what retail is being told. The excitement that he has over what the fed is doing was the first time that i was like oh this might be really bad like what is he, he saying oh dude he is amped up he's giving booyahs like crazy he's saying he's hitting all the gun sounds like yesterday he said something about there's like unlimited firepower and a machine gun came out i mean he <laughs> is excited he can barely keep his clothes on. dude
1: i can probably get some sounds on this podcast
0: it's we're gonna need some I need a bazooka.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's every time you say "fed," you get the bazooka sound. So, uh, Corey uh, Hofstein says uh, net gamut exposure of dealers flipped above six ten, so lots of dealers likely buying as the price goes up the hedge. Yeah, I do agree that that's that's likely what's happening there. Uh,
0: Shout out to Chavstein, how you doing, man?
1: Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming in, big fella. Appreciate having you on. Uh, so we do, let's do some questions. Uh, Burry's, Taylor Brands. Oh, yeah, Burry's on Twitter. Did we say that last week? Burry's on Twitter dropping bombs. He's come out swinging hard. He got the Chris Cole playbook for uh, how to dominate Twitter in about three months.
0: Yeah, Dude, he, he just, he just went like full anti-Ackman. Right? <laughs> he was like, oh, this got Bill on CVC I'm going the exact opposite way.
1: Goob also- says more cab-ball. that's That's the noise we need. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Keep going.
0: No, I, I saw he also bought more GameStop, and that's apparently why the stock is ripping, uh, which is odd, because I guess the nice thing about owning GameStop stock is you don't have to worry about social distancing because no one was there anyway. It's Boom! <laughs> Boom! <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a balance sheet play, though.
2: Do you think, though, that the more that he owns, the more interesting it gets, though, from sort of maybe if he is able to execute any activism?
1: yeah I think that's 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 a big part of the the narrative I could buy that has he done i mean he's he's he, i don't think he's done activism like that has he i mean there's no reason he why talked wouldn't. a
2: little bit about recently about doing some in Japan actually um a couple of his it doesn't sound like it's like that sounds hard combative yeah i think it's i mean talking with management in a constructive way is what it sounded like
0: yeah so how much of that like requires social skills
2: <laughs> Dude, you just show them the big short and then they take your call. Don't worry about that. A, All right, I'm just, I'm just asking.
1: There's a strong argument, though, that that you need <laughs> to be don't that know personality. So I, 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 I'm not trying
0: to be rude. I they're
1: just,
2: expecting I, Christian Bale to walk in the door. That's why they're excited. <laughs> I,
1: I I think that there's a good argument to be made that there are personality types that are very well suited to activism. They're the same guys who are uh, litigation lawyers, are, are good. Uh, activist because you just need to be able to you know most of us sort of absorb psychic pain like it, it it sucks to be going through these fights you think about it all the time some people don't icon clearly doesn't does not care one one way or the other what people think so he can just plow in say ridiculous things to people that they it hurts them doesn't hurt him at all just falls off his back so maybe that's a huge advantage
0: hmm yeah, I think I guess that the difference is I I just don't I don't know that Burry and I, I when I say I don't know I, I really mean I have no clue. This is all just bullshit podcast speculation. But I'm not sure that he has the personality type to push and push and push like some of those guys. He's do.
1: clearly like he's able to get into a position and and ignore the marks that he's given by investment yeah, for banks. Sure. Where he's sort of like you've got to be concerned there that they know something that you don't know, right?
0: Listen, yeah, I mean, I, mean he, I think he knows what he owns and he believes in it, so that I respect. But That commencement speech that he gave,
2: like, it's much easier to just get on there and say a bunch of platitudes and not, like, come at the system like he did, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's somebody who DJF.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's obviously an independent thinker and he's crazy smart. It's just, you know, that's slightly different than changing a ceo's motives to see the world the way that you see the world
1: that it's
0: i think it's a separate skill set
1: what about tailored Soft brands because he's also in tailored
0: i don't know the nice thing about that one is no one's buying suits oh, 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 oh. i got <laughs> here, here all week today
1: <laughs> mate you are enjoying this podcast <laughs>
0: yeah i am
2: <laughs> more than anybody <laughs>
0: I need it i need I don't know I can't see a lot of people buying suits right now, and they got a lot of leverage, but uh I'm sure there's a price where it makes sense,
1: yeah,
2: I, mean, I don't know enough about it to say one way or the other, I've never really looked at
1: it they they got balance sheet value they have got lots of cash um they got a lot of operating leases, man, and they got a lot of leverage on top of it, like
0: operating leases aren't that yeah, oh. Well, Liz Hall has uh, had a pretty good article about that, actually. That's it. Yeah, that was that was value added tweet thought. It is a little funny how all
2: these uh, leases and everything is, just becomes very malleable the second that there's any pain. Like, oh well,
1: yeah, it turns I'm out like you don't a, have to. I'm pay. not
2: paying you tomorrow. Did, Never mind.
1: It turns out you don't have to pay at all. Like, I've I've been, been paying my. Tracked? I've been paying mine like an idiot
2: like a total idiot this whole time what have i been doing
0: my buddy just sent me something i'm trying to find it <clears throat> i guess at related group he says it's the largest landlord in in new york city only t- the headline i haven't read the article but it says only 20 percent of related groups commercial tenants paid rent in april
1: 20 that's yeah let's you gotta think they're not running out of money yet they're just like
2: oh it's conserving a, yeah, cash it's a chance to yeah. push the
0: problem to someone else right I think the thing that's interesting or will be interesting to watch in the market over the next year is like JP Morgan on their call today and Wells both. I mean, they were both like the range of outcomes is so wide that like, who knows? So, you know, maybe, maybe this retest of the low doesn't happen tomorrow. Like everybody was expecting. I mean, maybe we just sort of like drift lower for a while, or maybe we go to the all time highs, like who knows? But,
2: uh, Let's update. We asked that I think a week or two ago. What's the probability of getting taking out an all-time high again in twenty twenty? Where are you guys at with that?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Throw gonna, that at to everybody too.
2: Forty percent is not an acceptable answer. <laughs> yeah,
1: you got to okay, Yeah, let's make it binary, yes or no.
2: No, no, no. You have to have a probability prediction. Otherwise, it's a shit
1: prediction. But then you, can, I'm gonna. Well, what, So you can't say forty percent
2: no we can't say that just because it's the joke answer
0: yeah i mean i don't know man it all depends on whether or not you can come up with a reasonable way to treat this illness that can make people not be scared if that happens then i think it's off to the races i don't think it
1: happens i mean unless we kind of like we just give it a kiss here and then but I, i think really it's uh markets expensive underlying is really really hurting sometime the market's going to figure this is just the sugar rush from all of the fed intervention from a few weeks ago and the fed's continuing intervention i think everybody's going to get a look at the filings and get a little bit of religion when that comes through
0: yeah i mean the market well the market discounted COVID 19 in january right and that turned out to be a pretty big mistake yeah and now i think that some people are looking at some of the numbers And I don't disagree that there are trade-offs with the strategy, but it also doesn't mean that all that was made up. Um, Maybe we just did a lot better job than I had thought we were doing as early as we were. Um, But, like, if you read any of the proposals about what opening up looks like, we're not going to run into making a bunch of money. Like, this is going to be a slow process, I think.
1: I got a a question. Oh, sorry, Jacob. And the longer that it
2: goes, the longer it goes – the longer it's going to take to probably come back to.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and like, I, I mean, I may have said this already on the podcast. I've said it a couple times to people, but like, you know, my buddy's dad was telling me they have like a pretty successful restaurant chain. And, you know, he was like, we don't, this is when things are good. He was like, we don't go to the black until November, much like retail. I mean, at 80%, November never comes. And they're a pretty successful restaurant. So, I'm, I mean, I'm concerned about what six to nine months looks like. I think today it's easy to convince yourself that, hey, we're going to be okay. But, I mean, it's, I, don't think, I that, think it's a race against medical treatment. I don't think
1: a lot of these businesses are even talking about profitability. Like, this is just, can you generate enough free cash flow to keep on going? Or can you generate enough cash flow to keep on going to get yeah. you out the other side, which is a big part of, we're not going to pay the rent.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's right.
1: On a related, this is a ta- this is tangential, but this is a question up on the screen. Any comments on recession advertising impact on Facebook and Google?
2: Numbers I've seen were interesting, and in that the impressions were up because everyone's just sitting around on their phones all day. Uh, but then, like CPM was had come down a lot, and then was maybe starting to come back. Um, but I don't know. It it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm very curious to see what their numbers look like when they come
0: out. How how they've been faring? Um, I think Fool All the Time on Twitter had said that advertising like reminded people that advertising has like a one and a half times multiplier. Um, for
1: like with economic impact, right? The Cyclicality. Advertising pulls
0: back, yeah. And then uh, advertising
1: pulls back one and a half times. Right, twenty percent GDP,
2: I mean, like wanted... GDP cut—that would be how much advertising? Is that—is that what you're yeah, saying? I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, i, I pretty sure that's—I mean, that's definitely one and a half times twenty. It's just a matter—that's <laughs> yeah. that, how the math works. But I think that's the math. Um, and then I think Wall Street Dropout has had a couple things uh, on it also. I'm sure I'm forgetting some people, but my apologies, folks.
1: Corey says uh, Delta on the December three twenty strikes is point five, so market seems to be seeing fifty percent odds of landing in the money, making a new all time high by then. Yeah. Mm. Okay, we got That's the data going.
0: Corey, on. come on, keep coming, keep bringing stuff. But fifty fifty, that is aggressive to me. It does feel, a-
1: well. But I, the, the, there's there's two things going on, right? There's sustainability of it. Like I think there's the market is just whipping around at the moment. I... I think everybody's feeling pretty good at the moment because we've had a pretty substantial rally and we're up big today but I, I
0: Price changes narrative I, yeah oh man and I don't that's think hard. that this
1: is you don't know if this is the end of the bear market for a year after the fact that's what I always say like you just you in in the moment you can't tell this could easily be a bear market rally and we just go back and blast through the low or 12 months time we're like ah oh, there you go that was it one time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that's why I think if if we reached a permanently high plateau. Well, if you can get a treatment and we can sort of like get back to work, for lack of a better term. I mean, I know that's what everybody's saying, but it's true. I can understand why the market would rally, uh, given where it looks like rates are going to be for a while, I guess. Right. But um, man, I don't know. Like it's it's just very hard for me to see how. The December of 2018 sell-off was not was implying a worse outcome than what we're currently looking at like this is the worst thing that I've ever I could have ever dreamt up in my life. So we're almost at the highs there's a 50 percent chance of hitting the highs like that's we're very just, optimistic I'm not saying it's not wrong, but it's hard to get in my head. yeah agreed. But I I have found that a lot of these times, I'm the one that's wrong. Unfortunately, I'd love to say that I'm not, but it's just not how the
1: world works. What does it say if we just blast back to new all-time highs about the market?
0: I don't know, but I'll tell you what it does say to me is Joel Greenblatt's little rule about not ever going more than 10% more aggressive or less aggressive than your ideal allocation is a pretty smart rule.
1: Say it again. What's, what's this room? so now?
0: he we had talked about this earlier but he said like if you run a 70 30 stock bond allocation and you're really bulled up like maybe you go 80 20 and if you're really despondent you go 60 40 but you always stay around sort of your target so that you because if I was just arbitrarily going to cash and not I, I would not have caught this bounce and I so I think you gotta like hold for the long term It's and incremental understand moves, right? it might get Yeah, that's right.
1: Graham said never go more than 75% cash, never go lower than 25% equities, uh, and the other way around, 25% cash, 75% equities. But he'd gone through the Great Depression, so he was a little bit more (laughs) careful bearish. Yeah.
2: I mean, speaking of that, though, isn't this what... How do we go back to the all-time, especially sentiment-wise when doesn't this have to wake some people up at a business level, at a personal expenditure level, at a debt level, like we've borrowed so much from the future. You can't kind of do that again, can you? Like, haven't we already taken that bite of the apple at this point uh, from valuation standpoint? I don't It seems hard to imagine that now, all of a sudden, we go even further along some of the paths that we've been going the last 10 years after this, like, you know, stepping right into a buzzsaw
1: <laughs> um Kevin that local's got a good comment on the screen how many people What's are yelling Kevin?
0: how you doing man
1: <laughs> how many people are yelling at their bloomberg screens are just mad there aren't many obvious opportunities fair value hasn't shrunk more than 10 percent that was using aqr's methodology um so the market's not being crazy
0: yeah i mean i i think that's i think that's true if you have a long time horizon that's why i said like a couple weeks ago, if you think time arbitrage is your massive advantage, like right now is the time to use it, um, but man, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. That's the best way that I know how to describe it. Like I think the math can work, but the
1: feeling is very hard for me to get my my EQ feels off. This is Spidey a good comment, tingling. and I, 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 uh, optimism appears oblivious to risks, so by default, pessimism looks more intelligent. I often think about that too, because I do think that Buffett's superpower has just been to be incredibly optimistic all the way through, and then have it work out. Like If it doesn't work out, then you've got other problems to deal with, like where do you get your shotgun shells, and how do you fortify your house so you're marauding gangs of uh, people looking for your shotgun shells and your gold don't break in. mad max scenario
0: well but that comment to me is a lot easier to say when the market's down 35 percent off the highs than when it's i mean right now you're are you getting compensated for the risk is the real question right um i don't know buffett's not 100
2: percent all in either using that same type of thought so i i don't know i think you have to apply some logic as well and, but
1: Yeah, yeah I, I wonder know. how the Japanese Buffett in the 20-year L-shaped BAJ recovery uh, feels about that.
2: that. Actually, he probably crushed it, right? I mean, that the Japanese Buffett. It's
1: probably Massa, right? massa son. Oh, stop. <laughs> I love Massa. I mean, how can you guys not like Massa?
0: I think it was when you guys had the, the Berkshire event together. Uh, Ted Sites was there, and I was talking to him. I don't think he—I I mean, he told me in a bar, so it was not exclusive. Uh, he, he said that out of everyone that he's ever met, the billionaires, almost all of them have had a massive amount of luck. He was like, Buffett's the only guy that I think you could drop in any time frame and give him any set of scenarios, and he would figure out how to be a billionaire. Because I can't. It's just a... Yeah. I don't know. I'm just telling you what Ted told me. I'm not trying to have the argument. <laughs>
1: i'll have the idea it's a podcast that's what we do damn
0: you no that doesn't make any sense to me well like there are
1: lots ten. of drop, really smart entrepreneurs out a there
2: rice patty in china in
0: the <laughs> 1500s and he's gonna be a billionaire uh whatever the in china 1500 terms yeah Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, you got to think about who the dude was at six. He's like counting soda caps to figure out how many bottles have been sold out of a vending machine. Like, I mean, there's a, you put that mind and that attention. You're going to get a good outcome. I'm not
2: saying it will be it won't be impressive, but like the the distribution of outcomes in that environment is much tighter than yeah, in a well. capitalist that serves
0: that mind even further. Yeah, and he's acknowledged that being born here made him super lucky.
1: Also, you hate Buffett, and you should go say ten Hail Marys. So somebody wants to know what, what flavor liqueur <laughs> la you're drinking. So I'm going to make sure everybody gets.
0: That's tangerine, isn't it? Pamplemousse. No, that's tangerine. Pamplemousse is the pink and yellow. Yeah, tangerine. It's uh, it's okay. I
1: want to, I want to, I want to talk about Massa. I want to go back Indian. to Massa. I'm not letting you guys get off Massa. <laughs> massa was down 99 percent, and he's made it all the way back pay that
0: yeah
2: I and he started from do nothing thing. don't go have nine percent down to start with
0: Woo. Woo. i don't know well, do you, uh, okay let's do you
1: want to all right some guys are more volatile than others
0: <laughs> yeah dude like bill miller you hate him too
1: he's i got buying, mad love he's for buying bill miller. things
2: based on the shine of someone's
0: eyes not there's no-
1: <laughs> and getting it right most of the time, like gonna gonna have some boners in there, but you got that one, you got that one wrong. But
0: I mean, it, look, it's sort of, it's more of a VC, from my understanding, and like I said, I have not done a lot of work, but it seems like more of a VC spray and ride the right tail. Which what was it? It was Alibaba, right? I mean, or was it Tencent that he hit the home run on? Like, I mean, with that approach, you only need to be right once. But the one one of the things that Greenblatt has said that I found super interesting. Is he said running a concentrated portfolio, letting the winners run is as hard as watching the ones go against you. And for Masa to have the ability to let that one run, like, I mean, that's a skill.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah. I'm actually not that big of a hater, but I just some of the more recent things like felt like odd bets to me. Uh, I, maybe it was smart. Like, maybe there's some version of the world where all of these things that he invested in actually ended up taking over. And radically disrupting, and and he is the, you know, the king at that point. But
0: but isn't that's... his bet that you only need one or two to actually take over,
1: right? And then you just let the right tail go.
2: Maybe I don't know.
1: Next time, next time growth gets really cheap, I'm coming back as massa. Yes. I'm gonna do some okay. uh, crazy stuff.
0: How are you gonna measure like that? How March do you measure 15. when growth is cheap? <laughs>
1: so yep. i just look at I'll, I'll use like uh the french data and i'll look at it relative to its own long-run mean and i'll look at relative to value and just oui. when when it, when the when the yield gets fat on both the, like i think that the thing that i missed uh was that in 2010 particularly value got expensive and um growth was cheap and that would have been a smart time to have a big growth bet on and I think if you're a value guy, you got to be alive to those kind of opportunities. And my big mistake was not was not recognizing that and just staying deep value through that period. That not, was the not going to do that again. Time yeah, era. yeah, yeah,
2: for sure. I think that's smart.
1: That's time, gents. So I yeah, got I mean, one last question. Am I still hoping right. for the value golden era? Yes, I am. I still think it's coming. Great question. I'll chuck it up. Oh,
0: the golden era, yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. You're not going to stop hoping. Your whole bet
1: is value. It's not just hope. <laughs>
0: did, you, did you ask that question I <laughs> yourself? <laughs> no, I've
1: got it up on the screen. It's my, Toby C it's, from my sock LA asks. <laughs> yeah, you're live. You're on the air. <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.
0: Shake it up, stop when the clock hits 13. See, one, 2, 3, 4 four. Cause, cause, cause. Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Like we do it. Cause no one can.